Go ahead and go to Job tonight, chapter 38. Job chapter 38. Before we start reading Scriptures, um, I wanted to uh, talk about a current event, I guess you could say. I was listening to the radio this week. And, you know, and as a preacher, you're constantly, you know, trying to pay attention to things and, you know, you're fi- you find inspiration for sermons in some crazy places sometimes. And, you know, whenever you hear about problems going on in the world, you know, I don't know, it's just kind of a habit with me. It should be this way for all Christians. But I automatically think about, uh, you know, what does the Bible say about it? You know, what does God expect? You know, what are, uh, you know, the, when the world's looking for solutions to a problem, you know, I think about what does the Bible say about that? And how many of you have ever heard of emotional support animals? Have you heard about, have you heard some of these stories? I was listening to a story this week about uh, somebody who brought a turkey on an airplane. They brought a turkey on an airplane and they were allowed to do that because it was an emotional support animal. Apparently this person had uh, emotional issues, emotional disability or whatever, and they have to have this turkey with them to keep them calm while they're on the airplane. And I want to show you some pictures because the, I, I looked at some of these stories I was hearing about and they're real stories. But uh, right here is an example of an emotional support animal somebody brought in an airplane. A kangaroo. They brought a little kangaroo on an airplane. Um, apparently, you can even take these into stores. And, and here's the thing that's bad about it. If people discriminate against these people, if they say, no, you can't go, uh, you can't bring them on the airplane, you can't bring these in the store, well, these people will turn around and sue them. Here's somebody that brought a llama into a convenience store. Uh, this you know, poor victim, now she looks like she could use some emotional support. She had to take she was asked, I believe, to take her pig off the airplane. She wanted to do that. Uh, here's, here's a picture of the turkey that was on the airplane. Can, can you imagine sitting next to a turkey on an airplane? I wanted to show you these pictures because I didn't want you to think I was making these stories up. Uh, here's another picture. And then these, this turkey, too, they have to you know, use a wheelchair to cart it around. I mean, they have to service these people. They've got to help them out with all their things. Here's a brochure. Uh, if you have a fear of flying and everything, you can go see one of these psychologists and they will give you a note uh, basically like, like they write up a prescription saying you need an emotional support animal and then people will bring them on in the airplanes. And you know what? People are using this as a way to transport their pet for free. Because if you transport a pet on an airplane, it costs a lot of money. But I think some of these people actually think they're victims and think they have to have these things. Here's a lady getting escorted off a plane because she wanted to bring her pig and they wouldn't let her. And then here's another picture of a turkey on an airplane. And uh, here's a picture of somebody who has one of their emotional support tags to prove that they are allowed to bring this. And this is an iguana. I'm scared of those things. I'm not, I'm not sitting next to one of those on an airplane. And I couldn't find any pictures of it, but I heard one story on the news that there was someone who actually brought Shetland ponies. You, Shetland ponies are one of the things. They're those you know, little small horses. And they brought one. Well, here's the thing. It was too big to fit in one of the seats and they have to give it a seat. So they moved these people to first class. They got moved to first class so they can accommodate this emotional support animal. And apparently, that Shetland pony was not toilet trained and it did its business right in there. And all these people who paid for a first class ticket, they uh, 
had to smell that and put up with that because of this person's disability that they have. And I've I've got a bunch of information up here about emotional support animals and what it says. I mean, it'll it'll make you sick when you read some of this stuff. Uh, I've got a sample note that you can get. And yeah, you know, I'm not going to read this stuff, but when you read it, it, it's just absolutely sickening. And you know, here's the thing, okay? Well, it's like you know, well, these people they have a fear of flying, and you know, they are people they you know they have this problem or that problem. They're always bringing up all these issues they have, and everybody's everybody today is a victim of something. You know, our country we literally make up diseases, we make up uh, you know disorders. And then everybody's got to, you know, do whatever they say, you know, to accommodate these people and these things. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. And we shouldn't have to accommodate this stuff. We shouldn't have to put up with it. I'm going to turn that off. But, um, you know, if you do have an issue, if you do need emotional support, okay, what do, what should we do for these people? What are some things that we can do to help? What are some things that we can say? And I got to thinking about growing up because, Here's and this is the reason I'm bringing this up. When you look at these people who have these emotional support issues, this started from when they were a little child with how they were raised. And we've been talking about family things on Sunday nights, and this go this is all about how people are raised. And let me tell you something, you know, kids all have issues. They all have uh disorders. They all have emotional problems, and as parents it's our job to deal with those things. And today in America, most people, they don't deal with things. Okay? And when you're just drugging your kid up, that's not dealing with the problem. When you're just accommodating things, that's not dealing with the problem. You're not doing anything to help in those situations. And I got to thinking about how I was raised and the type of emotional support I got growing up. And as I got to thinking about it, and as I got to thinking about some of the things that I was often told growing up, they actually lined up with a lot of what we see in the Bible. While my and then and the words that my parents used, while they weren't quoted directly from the Bible, you can basically see the same thing taught in the Bible. And so I, tonight, I want to give you some words for emotional support. Okay, you need to give these things maybe to yourself, to your kids. You're raising kids, and they have their issues that come up, and there there's going to be things that come up. Some of your kids, they're going to get anxious about things. You know, kids, they get, they get nervous. You know, they get, they get scared of things. They have issues. And you know what? It's, it's our job as parents to help them out with those things. So how do we help them out? You know, if your kid is nervous about going to school, okay, do you, you know, give them a little bunny to help keep them calm and then get a note from the doctor so the school has to let them keep their bunny with them? Or, you know, what, what does the Bible say? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. Go to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38 and verse 1. Okay, now you all know the story of Job. Job lost everything. He lost his entire family. His, all his children died. His wife nagged him after it. He got covered with boils. His friends came over. They were miserable comforters. Job hadn't done anything wrong. And Job, we see as we read through the book of Job, he started kind of having some questions. He started wishing he'd never been born. He never cursed God or anything like that. But he did get a little upset. Now, you and I, we can understand that, can't we? And so, Job definitely needed some emotional support. His friends tried, but they made it worse. He called them miserable comforters. So, God steps in. And let's look at what God said to Job. 
chapter 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Alright, so just picture a whirlwind. Well, what's a whirlwind? It's a twister, right? Imagine all of a sudden, you know, Job's got all these questions, and then just picture this whirlwind. This twister comes. Now that's kind of a scary sight, isn't it? Can you imagine seeing a twister? And then all of a sudden he hears the Lord's voice coming out of the whirlwind. So don't, I'm trying to draw a picture here of what this probably sounded like and what it looked like. And it was probably kind of scary, wasn't it? And listen to what Job hears out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare it if thou hast understanding. And then for the next three chapters, God just pretty much is asking Job questions. Hey, where were you when I did this? You know, Job, you know, you don't know anything. <laughs> I'm God. You are nothing. That was the emotional support that God gave Job. Look at chapter 40 when he kind of gets to the end of it. Or after God tells Job, or. Uh, or on chapter 42, I'm sorry, Job chapter 42. It says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, after God gives him his emotional support. Let's see how Job felt after that. I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee, Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know what Job said after God gave him his emotional support? Pretty much told him off. He said, you know, gird up thy loins like a man. He said, I abhor myself. He was disgusted with himself. I didn't know what I was talking about. And keep remember all this because we're going to look at something else in Job. Because you might think that's kind of harsh. Well, wait till you see what the Bible says about how God handled Job later. And it'll blow your mind. Just to show you I'm not out of line at what I'm saying here. You may remember what God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 7. after Achan, Remember the story when Achan took of the accursed thing and they ended up losing the battle as a result of it? They lost the battle. Many of their men were killed. And this was right after Jericho when they won a battle they never should have won. Now they go fight a battle they easily should have won and they lose. Joshua's obviously upset. And Joshua, he's crying out to God, wondering what's going on. And in Joshua chapter 7, verse 7, you know, Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we have been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan? O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Whoa. You know, he, hey, he's praying, you know, he, he's down on his face. You know, God said, Get up, get off your face. Why are you doing that? Stop throwing a fit. Hey, why didn't God just give him a pony? You know, why didn't God just you know why didn't God just give him what he wanted? No, God told him, hey, get up, get over it, act like a man. And we constantly see things like that. You know, so we're uh, we're so sensitive these days. Second Kings chapter two verse twenty three, we see the story where well, look, it says, and he went up talking about Elisha. He went up 
from thence unto Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel and unto thence he returned to Samaria. Did you see that? Now I heard a preacher one time say, now this wasn't kids. You know, this was like young adults. No, it says little children. Oh, you know, God wouldn't, you know, kill forty two little children. Well, they needed it. They were being disrespectful to the man of God. They were being disrespectful to Elisha, being disrespectful to a to a, a godly old man. These kids obviously were not taught well, and you know, God didn't send them all you know, some medication to calm them all down and, you know, to, to, you know, drug them up. No, he sent a couple of bears to take care of them. They took care of them. And people don't like that story. And even preachers try to make that story not sound as bad as it is. But you know what? It's very clear throughout the Bible. And there's many examples we can look at. You know, God doesn't put up with a whole lot of stuff. I mean, he's pretty harsh sometimes. And, throughout the Bible, and I know these are Old Testament stories, but we're going to look at a lot of New Testament stuff too that we see. Things that we are told that I'm just going to tell you, it sounds a lot like the type of emotional support I got when I was a kid. You know, when I was a little kid, I did. I had issues. I had things that would upset me. Uh, you know, it's amazing how easy kids cry. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, think about for us as adults what it takes to get us to cry sometimes. And think about kids, how they cry every single day. Man, what a rough life it must be. And the truth is, their life's not that rough. It's just they're emotionally weak right now. You start out emotionally weak, don't you? When you're a baby, you cry because you're hungry. You know, When you're a baby, you cry just because you're tired. And as you get older, you're supposed to get stronger emotionally and you don't cry as much. Now, you're still going to have things that come up and you're going to lose it sometimes. But it... It takes a lot. At least it's supposed to. And it's because you get stronger. But today, there is no training in the home. Kids are not being made stronger. They're being made weaker. And whenever they have emotional issues that parents aren't dealing with, they're not teaching them what they need to be taught to help them to get stronger. And they're turning them into adults that have to have turkeys and pigs and Shetland ponies with them when they go on an airplane because they're scared. So, well... What are they supposed to do? They're scared of airplanes. You know, what, what are people supposed to do? If you have a child that when they go to school, they have panic attacks whenever they're about to take a test, what are we supposed to do? Don't we have to help them out? And yes, we do have to help them out. But you know, one of the ways that we help them out, it's not through medication. It's not through giving them what they want. It's actually words can help. And if you have a child that's having emotional issues because of something that they are going through, that's listen, it's just part of life. You got to go to school. You got to learn. You've got to, you know, you've got to learn the math and English and all that hard stuff. You've got to study for those tests. You've got to be able to handle the pressure of things. And some words that I, my parents told me growing up all the time, they didn't get this sentence from the Bible, but I heard this all the time growing up. And, but I, at the same time, I think if the Bible was translated today, we're going to see some of the wording. I think it would be said the same way my parents said it. But you know what I was told whenever I was faced with a challenge and I was having emotional breakdowns? 
Get over it. Get over it. Okay? Now, that might sound mean, but you know what? We actually see that in the Bible quite a bit. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Now, we're not going to take time to read. We're not going to take time to read all these, but I want to show you a phrase that you will see many times in the book of Revelation, especially in chapter 2 and chapter 3. But he's talking to the seven churches here, and for each church, there's a statement that we see in here. Uh, look at verse 7. He says, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh. You see that? So, him that overcometh. Overcoming. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to overcome something? It means to get over something, right? Hey, I've got an obstacle. I've got something in my way. Well, what does God say to do? Overcome it. Get over it. Get over. Get over it. It's the same thing. Him that overcometh, get over it. If I ever go liberal and I do a new translation of the Bible, I'm translating that. Hey, to him who gets over it. <laughs> if you get over it, hey, I'm going to give you a reward for getting over it. And look at the things that he told them. That this church in Ephesus, he told them to overcome putting things before God. That's that's hard to do sometimes. We're you know we're flesh like everybody else. It's really easy for us to get caught up in the things of this world and to start lusting after the things of this world and to start putting the things of God on a back burner. It is in our nature to do those things. But you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to get over it. Hey, get over that love of the world. Start putting God first. We see to the next church. He talks about you know the tribulation that was coming for them, talking about you know the suffering that they were going to have to go through, and you know what he told them to do concerning that tribulation. He said to him that overcometh, get over it. You're going to have trials and tribulations in your life. You're going to have things that come up that you know knock you down. And you know what you got to do? You got to get up, and you got to get over it. You don't get to just sit in a corner somewhere and take some medication, and God's just going to understand. He has called us to overcome these things. We see he told the third church, you know, overcome the seduction of false doctrine. There's false doctrine trying to get. He said, hey, overcome that. There is a lot of false teaching out there. The majority of churches out there today aren't teaching the truth. A majority of what you find on the internet, you know, that you search on doctrines and things on the internet is not going to be true. The majority of Bibles you see in the Christian bookstore are not the right Bibles, yet God wants us to keep our doctrine pure. And it's hard today when there's so many lies out there. But you know what we're supposed to do? Overcome. Get over it. Hey, everybody seems like they're falling away. They're going after false doctrine. Even Baptists, you know, changing beliefs and all these different things. What are we supposed to do? You overcome it. You get over it and you just do the right thing. You know, we see, he told one of the churches to overcome the temptation of giving up. Hey, you know, be faithful to the end. Overcome. You know, he told one, you know, to overcome falling asleep. In chapter three, he told another one to overcome losing their crown. Don't let anyone take your crown. Overcome it. You, we've got enemies out there. We've got people that are going to try to stop us from doing the will of God. People that stand in our way, and we got to get over it. We have to overcome them. We see the church in Laodicea. He told them to basically overcome getting comfortable. That church they got, they were comfortable they were lukewarm they thought they didn't need anything and you know what he god got onto that church you know what he told him to do he said you know overcome that get over that it is so easy to do these things it's so easy to look at a challenge and say there's nothing i can do about it 
But in the Bible, we see when we're faced with a challenge, we are told to overcome it. Get over it. And that's a, I think those are very good advice that you can give your children. You know, Mom, Dad, i got this challenge. This test is hard. Overcome. Get over it. You know, uh, you know, my teacher is mean to me. Hey, deal with it. Overcome it. You know, get over it. You know, I was treated unfair. Get over it. Just overcome. Be an overcomer. And people are not overcomers today. Hey, listen, I understand being scared of flying on an airplane. I mean, I've flown in an airplane a few times, and you know, it's when you're up there, you're like, man, if something happens, we're dead. <laughs> I remember when we flew to Israel. I remember sitting up there. I remember we were over the ocean. For hours and hours we were over the ocean. I'm like, if something happens to this plane, we are dead. No, no emergency. You can't do an emergency crash landing out in the ocean and survive. You are going to die. And you know what? It made me a little nervous. But what are you going to do? You know, I don't. I don't want to start popping pills right there. I mean, I know a lot of people do that, but I'd rather not do that. You know, you overcome those things. And as parents, we've got to help our kids overcome things. You know, my wife thinks I'm mean because I try to make Jason ride scary rides when we go to amusement parks. I'm scared of heights. So what? All you have to do is get in the roller coaster and you're strapped in. And you, you know, you just have to be brave enough to get in. That's all you have to do. Scary. Get over it. You know, overcome. And you know, you got. And that sounds terrible. But you know what? I don't want my kids to be, you know, 30, 40 years old, and every time they have a challenge, be sitting in a corner sucking their thumb, popping pills. But that's where most people are today. I don't want my kids to be one of those stories that everybody in the news is making fun of because they got kicked off the airplane because they weren't allowed to bring their pet bunny rabbit or something on there. I don't, I don't want that to be my kids. Have all these issues, but that is where people are at today, and we need, you need to teach them to get over it. it. Yeah, it's hard. But you have to be able to you have to overcome some things in life. I mean, do you realize the challenges that are out there? I mean, you know as adults, it's hard. It's hard, you know, getting up early, going to work every day. It's hard. You know, working there's days you're gonna have to you know you have to work. You all know it. you've been there before, you've gone to work on days when you were sick. And you did not feel like working one bit. But you had to get over it, didn't you? You know why? Because you could have stayed home guess what those bills are still going to come? And you don't get to tell the electric company, hey, I was sick and I missed work and so I can't afford my pay my bill this week. You know that and so you do. You, you overcome it and you go to work anyway. You do what you're supposed to do anyway. Well, parents today, every time their kids were faced with any kind of a challenge, oh, you don't have to do that. I'll make it up to you. Oh, uh, you don't have to do that. You know, yeah, you're not going to be able to go to school. Yeah, you're probably going to, you know, your teacher should flunk you. Uh, you should have to do that class over again. But I'm going to go talk to your teacher. And I'm going to make sure they give you a pass because it's not your fault, you know, that you were sick because, you know, or whatever. And then the kids, they grow up thinking, somebody's going to bail me out every time I have a problem. And there are always reasons to not do stuff. You know, I feel sick. Every single day when I get up to go to work at Walmart, when you have to get up at 2.30 in the morning, you feel terrible. Nobody feels good at 2.30 in the morning. Man was not meant to wake up during that time. And you are going to feel terrible every single time. And I, I have never one day jumped up out of bed like, all right, here we go. Never. 
I, I, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. You do the same thing. And it stinks. <laughs> but you get over it. You have to get over it every day. You have to get over it. You have to keep doing it. And it's funny because a lot of parents do these things, but they don't teach that to their children. And then their kids grow up and they can't overcome anything. And a lot of times we're like that because we've been taught if our parents were hard on us in any way, that we were victims and we're supposed to hate our parents and blame them for all of our problems. And so parents, even though it worked, even though they have the character to do what they're supposed to do, they don't want to, you know, be like their bad parents because they've been taught that they were bad and, you know, they're supposed to hate them. And so they do, they baby their kids and then their kids grow up and have no character. And, you know, one of these days you're going to look back, yeah, maybe my parents did something right. And maybe, maybe I should have just said, get over it. But let me tell you, that's almost a biblical term. Get over it. The Bible just says to him that overcome. You know, so if you if you want to be more biblical with your kids, you know, you know, mom, um, you know, I'm facing this challenge. You know, I've got I've, this test is too hard. Just say overcome, overcome. And and I, I've said that to my kids. I used to say it to the kids at Lighthouse. Overcome, <laughs> just overcome. Get over it. It's a challenge. And then another thing that I heard quite a bit growing up that this is. This is almost, it's not a biblical term, but it's biblical. And as when you're faced with a challenge, when you're faced with a difficulty, deal with it. Deal with it. Okay, I heard that quite a bit now. I say, where's that in the Bible? We'll go to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 8. You actually see this quite a bit in the Bible. Now, understand too here in Matthew 24, this is, I mean, this is something, if we're around, Still around whenever Jesus Christ returns. This is for us here. But Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse eight. He's been talking about the tribulation. He's been talking about you know the the first five seals. He's been talking about the earthquakes and the wars and the all, all those things. And verse eight, he says, "All these are the beginning of sorrows." Whoa, you know the wars, the famines, the pestilence. That's just the beginning of sorrows. Okay, it's about to get worse. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. And shall kill you. What? And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Wait, that's no fun. Hey, listen. Not only is this something for the future, but in the past, this has happened to many people. Many Christians are dealing with this type of thing today in this world. Thankfully, not so much in America, but in other countries. And it says, And then shall many be offended. Who are those going to be offended? Those are the ones whose parents never taught them to deal with anything. Those who never taught them to get over anything, taught them they were victims. And many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. You see that? That word endure. If you will endure to the end, the same shall be saved. What's he talking about there? Well, if you will endure to the end, okay, you'll make it to the rapture. The Bible talks about the Antichrist, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Many people are going to die. Many Christians are going to die during the tribulation. But if you can endure to the end, if you can make it, hey, Jesus Christ, He's coming back. He's going to return, and you physically will be saved. That's not talking about a spiritual salvation but a physical salvation, talking about going up in the rapture. But if you are going to do that, you're going to have to endure some things. You're going to have to deal with 
the trouble. You're going to have to endure tribulation. Second Thessalonians chapter one verse four says, "So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure." Okay, Christians throughout history have endured tribulation. Okay, how did they endure it? They they just dealt with it. They took it. They took the suffering. They even took the death. They were, they endured being eaten by lions. They endured being burned at the stake. And Christians today, we've got such a sorry attitude where, that we feel like there's no way God would ever let us go through any kind of tribulation. There's no way God would ever let His people suffer in any way. Hey, God's people have suffered all throughout history. And you know what they did? They endured. And Christians today, I mean, if somebody laughs at us, I'm going through tribulation. And then they quit. They get offended. We are so weak today. And I'm telling you, that's why there is a falling away that's going to come. Once the persecution starts, people who call themselves Christians they are so weak. I'm telling you right now, they I could see people quitting so fast. That's not even funny. It's going to make our heads swim when that falling away begins to happen. But it's coming because people don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to endure tribulation. Second Timothy two three. I'm going to go through a bunch of these. You don't have to follow, but it says, "Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." You hear that? Endure hardness. Endure things that are hard. What does that mean? It means deal with hard things. You're going to face challenges in your life. You're going to have physical problems. You're going to have to do things that are tough, and you you have to deal with it. And my my school works hard. My teacher's mean. Other classmates are annoying. Deal with it. Wait do you deal with some of your bosses at work. Wait do you see some of the coworkers that you're going to have to deal with. And what do you have? You have to deal with it. Listen, we all got people that we've worked with that just drove us crazy. But you know what? You know, it's not like in school where you can you know, have a fight in the schoolyard and you know just get detention or something. You have a fight at work, you get fired, don't you? You don't get to. You have to deal with it. You have to put up with the stupidity. You have to put up with all the junk. You have to just deal with it. We've got to. We've got to prepare our kids for that. It's only going to get more challenging if we're letting them roll over and lay down because they can't figure out what nine times nine is. All right, what do you think they're going to do when they're dealing with a you know a difficult coworker or a difficult manager? They're going to give up so fast it's not even funny. And I see that all the time where I work. I mean just these losers that come in that have never overcome anything in their life. They've never dealt with anything in their life. And with no shame at all, I mean, they give up that quick. And it's a challenging job. But you know, you deal with it. And it stinks. It's no fun sometimes. I say all the time, I tell people all the time when I'm at work, it's like, you know, the day they quit paying me is the day I quit coming. <laughs> and I know that sounds obvious, but you know, I'm, just, I'm basically saying, man, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the money, and I wouldn't. <laughs> There's no way because it's just, you know, it's no fun. It's, it's, it's challenging. But the Bible says, endure hardness as a good soldier. Second Timothy chapter two, verse eight says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the Word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He's like, I'm enduring these things. I mean, Paul, he'd go to prison for doing the right thing. 
That would stink pretty bad. I mean, we get treated unfair. The teacher blames us for something that we didn't do, and we let our kids just quit, give up, you know, fail, and it's the teacher's fault. Paul, he got accused of being an evildoer when all he's doing is preaching the gospel. You know what he did? He endured it. He dealt with it. And thank God he did. He wasn't thinking about himself, he was thinking about everyone else. We need to endure unfairness. You know, life's not fair. Life's not fair. Life's not fair. I mean, I'm sure every every parent here, you, your kids have said that to you before. That's not fair, and that's life's not fair. You know, it's it's just the way it is. That's life. I I used to hear that all the time. You know, you know, what my dad used to say to you all the time. My kids, I'm sure they've probably heard this. Uh, they, they've heard this from them too. So you know, if I got hurt, you know, and I'm crying, I would go to them. You know, you know what my dad's advice always was. His words of wisdom: It'll feel better when it stops hurting. Now that wasn't what I wanted to hear. You know, that's why you go to mom for sympathy. <laughs> but but it was true. <laughs> it all it, it felt better when it quit hurting. It, it always did. And I, 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 my dad to this day he still says that some little kids crying because they got hurt. Hey, it'll feel better if it stops hurting. I mean, yeah, they do something really painful, and he said it it, it never helps, but it was always true. <laughs> it did. It, it'll eventually you get over it. You know, the other one I'd hear all the time: "You'll live." <laughs> It's not going to kill you. You'll live. You know, my wife. Anytime the kids get hurt, she's always thinking. You know, do we need to take them to the hospital? Do we need? You know, and like, they're fine. <laughs> they're conscious. <laughs> they're okay. You know, it, it's it's all good. But uh, you know, I think we need more of that today. We are. We have just. We are raising up a generation of marshmallows. I'm telling you right now. I mean, this country. You know, thank thank the Lord, we've got a lot of good technology, and we do have a lot of good people in this country. And so we do have a strong military, but let me tell you, if it ever comes down to a ground game where we're invaded and we don't have technology and things to depend on, I'm telling you, we could be taken over so fast. I think a good army of 50 people could take over all of Rock Falls tomorrow. I really do. I think they could take us over that fast. You know, thankfully we've got some rednecks around here that you know that are still toting firearms and things. A lot of them live out in the country and stuff, but at the same time, uh, you know, those type of people are becoming fewer and farther between. And I do, they could, they could take over this town so fast. Okay, I was out knocking doors in this neighborhood tomorrow. I think, you know, with the right weapons, I could take over a good portion of this town all by myself. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going through the, the cops would stop me real quick. Uh, they're better than me, but if somebody could disable the police force around here. I think I could take a pretty good chunk of this area hostage. I, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious because we're weak. Very weak. But we need to endure unfairness. We need to be able to endure sound doctrine. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all love, long-suffering, and doctrine. But people don't like that today. People don't like hard preaching today. People, you know, they want to have their ears tickled. They want to hear easy stuff. Yeah, just like the Bible says, the next verse says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I believe we are seeing that today. People, they just can't deal with hard preaching. They can't deal with straight truth. They can't deal with somebody getting up and hollering, saying, thus saith the Lord, pointing the finger in their face. They get so offended by that stuff. I mean, it's crazy 
just how easy people are offended in church today. I mean, you dare, you know, get on someone's sin. They're done. I'm not going back to that church. And you know what? There's plenty of places you can go to where you can be just as wicked as all get out and they'll pat you on the back and make you feel wonderful. But you know, I want to preach the truth. And I don't care that we're living in a time when people aren't enduring sound doctrine. You are supposed to endure it. And you're going to hear preaching sometimes that's going to... It's not what I want to hear. That's not. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to follow that. But you know what? You've got to endure it. You've got to deal with it. Just deal with it. You know, you're not, we weren't told we had you know just to follow what we like. We're told we are to endure sound doctrine. We're told to endure chastening. Hebrews twelve seven. If ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? You see that we are supposed to endure chastening. God's going to do that sometimes. When we got out of line, we are going to receive chastening of the Lord. Now, that's children are supposed to endure chastening from their parents, aren't they? Parents, we're supposed to discipline our children. We are not supposed to spare the rod. We are not supposed to, you know, feel bad when they start crying. The Bible says they're not going to die from these things. But boy, they sure act like it, don't they? But they're not going to die. And you know, they're supposed to endure that. They're supposed to put up with that. Hey, deal with the spanking. Deal with the grounding. Deal with the punishment. Hey, it's not totally fair. Deal with it. Okay? Just deal with it that as Christians, when you get older, okay, you're not going to get spanked by your parents anymore. You're not going to get grounded anymore. But the Lord chastens us sometimes. And if our children can't even learn how to deal with chastening from their earthly parents, do you think they're going to be able to deal with God's chastening? Absolutely not. They are not going to be able to deal with it. And they're going to, it's, it's going to do them in. But we need, uh, James chapter 5 verse 10 says, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. This is the verse I was talking about. It says, We count them happy that endure. And then he mentions Job. Now remember, we looked at Job and said God was kind of mean to him, right? After all he went through, hey, get up, gird up, gird up your loins like a man, act like a man. What are you doing throwing a fit? My kids all died. I'm covered with boils. My friends have been annoying me for days. My wife's been nagging me. That's why I'm complaining. No, he didn't even. And God just basically told him, you don't know what you're talking about. Job felt really bad. But watch this. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. What? I thought He was mean to him at the end. No, he's pitiful. He's of tender mercy. Because we see that God ended up giving Job back double of what he had before. And, but yet, before that, he went through quite a bit, didn't he? God seemed like he was being pretty mean to Job. But listen, God is not mean. God is fair. But God is hard sometimes. But it's because that's what we need. That's what Job needed. And when Job said, I abhor myself, God didn't go after that and say, oh, Job, 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 no, no, don't hate yourself. You are wonderful. God didn't, you know, God didn't give him a vision of Joel Osteen preaching a message to him, telling him how wonderful he is and making him feel good like that. He didn't do anything like that. No, he, he let him feel that way because he needed to feel that way. 
And Job did. He got up. He started acting like a man. He got over his issues. And God blessed him. And in James, we see the Lord is pitiful and of tender mercy. And I know for us, that's like, uh, that's kind of hard. No. God was being merciful. And let me tell you something, when you don't do these things, when you don't teach your kids these things, when you don't teach them how to overcome, when you don't teach them how to deal with things, you are not doing them any favors. You are hurting them. You are handicapping them. I mean, you know, it's, it would be like you taking your child and thinking you're a good parent because when they're a baby and they get to where they're about ready to walk, you can't stand seeing your kid fall down. Oh man, it just tears my heart out to see them falling down. They're trying to get up and they just keep falling down. So you decide just to make them go in a wheelchair for the rest of their life. Because you don't want to ever see them fall down. Hey, they need to fall down. They need to, they need to learn how to get back up. They need to learn, they need to strengthen those legs. They need to get stronger. You can, you can set them in a wheelchair and just feed them for the rest of their life so they don't ever have to do anything, but you will not be doing them any favors. That is not good for them at all. They need to endure. And then the last thing, just real quickly, something that these are this is good words of emotional support that we need to hear. And I heard this quite a bit growing up. I said, don't do that. Don't do that. When you're doing something you're not when I was doing something I wasn't supposed to do, my parents would say, Don't do that. Now, my daughter Lana, okay, she's very sensitive emotionally. And when she's doing something she's not supposed to do, Lana, you know, and she'll start bawling right there. I just have to give her that look. Don't do that. The other day, Cassandra, she was telling me about something she told Lana, and she just said it to me the way she did it. Well, Lana took it serious, thought she was getting yelled at again, and then just started bawling right there. And just, just had a meltdown. Right there. Kids don't like that. When you say don't do that, they have emotional breakdowns sometimes. Now, modern psychology would tell you, now listen parents, you know, don't just say don't do that. You know, you need to learn how to, you know, tell them, hey, think about what you're doing right now. Let's have a discussion about this. I saw a parent trying to do that one day with one of their kids. Their kid's throwing a fit and they were trying to use some modern psychology and it was not working at all. It was hilarious listening to them try to do this. Hey, let, you know, let's have a discussion. We, we need, let's, let's talk about what's going on right here. You know, my parents never did anything like that. We didn't have a discussion. That usually means kind of a two-way thing where they talk and then you talk. Hey, when I got out of line, they talked. <laughs> and and I, I got to listen. And th- that, was, that was how it was. And you know what? The Bible's kind of like that. In Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. It doesn't say don't do that, but it says thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. I love that. A lot of the new Bibles, they just say, you know, don't murder. You know, don't doesn't sound as good as thou shalt not. I love it. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Now today, okay, if, you know, first of all, the Ten Commandments are offensive today. You know, they, they gotta take them out of courtrooms and everything. That's just way too straightforward. That's way too offensive. You know, we've gotta have disclaimers and everything. Thou shalt not steal unless you are hungry and you need it to survive, then it's okay. That's, that's what we would say today. You know, thou shalt not steal unless these people have more than they need. You know, we, you know, we would have all these excuses added on there. We'd have all these exceptions. No, God just said, thou shalt not. You know, every time you try to preach and you say, this is wrong, everybody wants to be like, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Isn't that exactly what your kids do all the time? When you make a rule, 
hey, you're not allowed to do this. But what about so and so? Their parents let them do this. Hey, in your home, thou shalt not. You know, if you want to put Ten Commandments up in your wall, you know, go ahead and do it. Hey, you don't do this in our house. Thou shalt not cry for no reason. Thou shalt not say so and so's parents let them do this. You know, whatever you know, have those rules. We all have those rules that are we're very strict on in our house. That you know, our kids know. Uh, you know, maybe we're, we're more strict than other parents are. And you know, there's nothing wrong with telling people that. And today, you're not allowed to tell people don't do something. You know, nowadays, if a boy does something girly, parents aren't supposed to say don't do that. Oh no, you're supposed to support that. No, I'll say don't do that. I'll say that's for girls. I'll tell my girl or I'll tell my girls that's for boys. Don't do that. We don't do that. We don't say that. We don't act that way. We don't go there. That is bad. You know, give your kids some absolutes. People have no absolutes today, and they get involved in all this sin, and it just brings heartache, it brings misery, and we're supposed to teach people, teach our children, don't do these things. Okay? If you do certain things, there's going to be some serious consequences. And the Bible is real straightforward on those things. It just says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Oh, well, what if, what if people are born in a country where they don't know about the true God? You know, what if they're born in a Muslim country where all they know about is Allah? They shouldn't worship Allah. Well, we're always thinking about that exception. Well, what are they supposed to do? You know what they're supposed to do? They're supposed to get over it. They're supposed to seek for truth. Hey, the heavens declare the glory of God. There's things that God has has put out there, evidence that He's real. There's there's clearly, you know, there are ways that people can find out truth, ways they can do right. He is that Jesus Christ is that light, the light of every man that cometh into the world. I don't know how it's going to work for every individual in every situation, but I'm just going to trust God, and we're always looking for exceptions for everything. We're always wanting to put disclaimers on things in the Bible instead of just going off of what it says. Don't do that. Don't do those things. Or do this. Okay? You know, just do it. Do what you're told. Do what you're supposed to. My dad said, do what you're told, when you're told, how you're told. I used to I hated that when I was a kid. I hated that. But that that's the way it's supposed to be. And nobody has taught that today. And look at what we are producing. Look at all the new mental disorders we have. Look at all this mental illness running rampant. Look at all the people that are on medications. And these people who are babied their whole life, that have been drugged up because of every little issue they've had, they've never learned to get over anything. You know what? They're producing, they're producing a lot of these psychos that are going shooting people up. You know, you're finding out a lot of these people are on all kinds of medications, had all kinds of psychological disorders. You know, I'll bet. You know, I know in a lot of these cases because they were they were never taught to overcome anything. And there are people that do. They have disadvantages. They have mental disadvantages. There's people that have physical disadvantages. And we do. We put them into this. It's like we stick them over in this corner and say, "Hey, this is the victim corner over here. You can't help yourself. You can't do anything about your situation. Why don't we just encourage them to overcome? Some things are going to be a little harder." For other people, we are not all physically, mentally equal, are we? We're not. Some of us have to work a little harder at others. Some kids have to work a little harder in school. But you know what? What are they doing out there? They're dumbing things down all the time in school. So we can help, you know, we got to help those kids that are struggling. Hey, why don't you just encourage them to overcome? 
Why don't you encourage them to work harder? You know, don't you hate those people that don't seem like they have to work that hard? Those kids that don't have to study and they still get passing grades? It's not like that for everybody. And if you're not one of those people, what do you do? You overcome. What do you do if you're disadvantaged? You deal with it. That's all you can do. You do the best you can. You, you know, you follow the absolutes. You do the things that God says. And when it comes to emotional support, we've, we've got to learn to stop going to the psychologist, psychologist and drugs for everything. And we've got, we've got to stop trying to run away from problems and start going to God like David did. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, we see where David, when he was going through a very difficult time, he was greatly distressed, it says. For the people spake of stoning him. That stinks. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. If David would have been there today, you know, he'd have went to the psychologist. He'd have got hypnotized and you know made his problems go away. Or he'd have went to the pharmacist to get uh, to get encouragement. No, he didn't. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He'd sit down. He'd write psalms. He'd sing those songs in his heart to God. He would pray. He would do those things and encourage himself in the Lord. And we do. And today, as the world gets more and more wicked, we've got to have emotionally strong. Children, we've got to raise them to have some emotional strength and giving them every little thing they want. We've had people that come here. I had a lady come here that you know told me her son you know has to be able to step out of service and have his smoke breaks when he wants to. No, he doesn't. Oh, yes, he does. He you know, he has. To. No, he doesn't. And I mean, it's, it's ridiculous some of the things that people expect. From everyone, everybody wants society to accommodate all their little issues. I want to be able to bring my pony on an airplane. I want to be able to bring my llama into the convenience store. I want to be able to bring my you know puppy dog to school. Hey, how about you just get over it? There was one guy I read. I read a note. He wanted to move into this apartment, but he doesn't like being alone. He has a disorder. He can't be alone, and this apartment had a no pet policy. But he needed them to make an exception for him because he has this, this disorder and he has to have a dog with him. Hey, I don't like being alone. If he doesn't like being alone, he needs to go find a wife and get married. <laughs> you know, he needs to go, or he just needs to deal with it. No, I have to have a dog. And you know what? Today, all people have to do is say mental disorder. And if you don't account him, they'll sue you and they will probably win. And look at all the psychos we're producing in this country. Let's not do that to our kids. We should know better as Christians. So with that, let's all go ahead and stand.